Okay, welcome to episode 10 of In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I am your host. No one wants a divorce. It is not part of the dream we had for our lives or our children's lives. For me, divorce came after years of hard work, therapy, endless discussions, and intense soul digging. When I embarked on this terrifying road, I was met with many sad faces, pity, and apologies. It felt like the world around me thought my life was over. And while the process of divorce, the legal aspects, the logistics, and the aftermath are painful and overwhelming, I refuse to allow this to define me. The universe told me to reach out to a guy named Scott Simon, who I was only friends with on Facebook, and knew that he had gone through a divorce that was kicking life's ass. I reached out to him, ended up on his couch, connecting for hours, and a soul-sibling relationship unfolded. Scott taught me about the concept of the North Star. How when sailors are lost in the dark and cannot find their way home, they look to the North Star to get back on course and can always find home. He explained that my children would need to be my North Star, that in all decisions, I would need to look to them to guide me. A North Star divorce is when you make your children your main focus. When all decisions are based on the question, Will this make them feel emotionally safe or will this cause further harm? It is about adults putting aside our baggage, emotions, anger, and old stories. Today, I have the privilege of talking with my dear friend, Rachel. Rachel is an adult child of divorce and an all around incredible human with insights galore. And I cannot wait for you to hear her story. Rachel, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. too. If you can get a little closer to your beautiful computer, maybe put it on your lap so we can all hear you in our COVID land. That's perfect. Yes. So before we begin with your story, I wanted to read a few of the anonymous messages I received from other adult children. I did a form um, that's totally anonymous and children that are currently in a divorce and adults that have been through divorce as children wrote their answers and these are a few from the adults and the question i asked for this specific question was as an adult what issues are you still dealing with from the divorce and here's a few of their words trying to get my parents in the same room for their grandchildren's birthdays and events they still want to celebrate separately as they did with me i don't want to carry this on generationally Another said, their relationship shaped the way I thought people interacted who were in a relationship. So that took some serious undoing to learn how to be in a healthy, functional relationship. Another said, commitment issues, lack of self-esteem, did not have a normal teenage transition to learn how to date others. Another said, my own marriage, I fear repeating the same mistakes my parents made before they divorced. And the last one I have here, said can't be in the same room, certain topics can't be discussed. So Rachel, when you hear these words, what does it bring up in you? I relate to all of them. In fact, I think the first answer you read was mine because I answered your survey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, gosh, yeah, the, the still trying to get my parents in the same room together and they've been, they've each, married and divorced a couple of times, but the two of them have been divorced for over 30 years now. And it's amazing to me that they haven't figured out how to do that yet. Um, Relationship issues and um, 
Gosh, yeah. Fortunately for me, uh, not that I'm a, a relationship expert in, in, in any way, but I had some other good examples outside of my family of what a, a good marriage and a healthy relationship looks like to help me understand what to look for in a partner um, and what I needed in a partner. And even then, my husband and I have still uh, definitely done couples counseling and certainly needed help regardless of whether my parents were divorced and his parents were like the happiest marriage ever. Um, and we still needed help. So yeah, that self-esteem issue, I had issues with my, my father off and on for, for years and years and years. And so that certainly filtered into my relationships as well. Yeah, it really, it's amazing how that stuff can, can carry and filter out in different ways. Tell me what you think about, um, when I was hearing you talk, you said, why haven't they figured it out how to do this after 30 years? Like, have you ever specifically talked to each of them and asked them that question? I have not specific, no, probably because like another uh, respondent <laughs> said, some topics are off limits. Be discussed. Yeah, and that didn't necessarily, that never specifically came from my parents, but that was an unspoken, very clear message that was sent yeah. to me. Absolutely. That's so interesting that you say that, the unspoken messages that are in our childhood home mm -hmm. um, and how those actually can end up carrying into how we do relationships today. It's so interesting because, and this is controversial, of course, because I feel this way and, and usually I have something that's controversial. And I just personally feel after going through my own experience and watching other people do it in a way I want to do it like, and in a way I don't, that the only reason this is putting aside like horrible, like cases of abuse or like dealing with someone who is mentally has mental issues that you cannot even work with, but like just regular people who wanted to get married and create a beautiful family and have the dream had children. And then for whatever reason, it just wasn't the right fit and they couldn't make it work for those people my only reason I can think of why they can't show up to their grandchildren's birthdays and events is because they're selfish. Correct. And yes. that's really uncomfortable for people to hear because it's all about their junk. Mm -hmm. They don't want to get rid of their junk. They want to hold on to those stories 30 years. I mean, that is a long time. And I have to tell you, my grandmother who survived the Holocaust said to me when I told her I was going through my divorce, she said the worst time of her whole life, including the Holocaust, was having to deal with her, at first, her parents who were together and were miserable together and fought viciously. And then when they got a divorce, as she was an adult with her own children, she would be sitting at one of their houses for a holiday, looking at her watch, knowing she needed to leave to go to the other house for the holiday because they wouldn't be together. And then that parent yelling at her why she wanted to leave and how could you go to be with that person and back and forth. And she said, even as an adult, not dealing with it when she was a child, as an adult dealing with it, it was so harmful. It was almost, never, ever do that. Yeah, it, it's almost worse as an adult and as I had kids and how that added more facets and made things more complicated, especially with holidays and trying to make, to wanting, because you want to see everybody feeling pissed off because everybody just can't be together then finding an acceptance of that and then learning how to set some boundaries with yes um how we're gonna this is how ho this holiday is gonna look for us and so it doesn't even have to be about 
me have, needing to have a conversation about what they can and can't do. It's about me and doing what's healthy and makes my family most joyous and most happy. Right, because you know what you're dealing with. You know yeah. you're dealing with people who are not willing to let go of their junk. So Correct. you need to protect your family. But I'm, you know, what I want our listeners to hear from hearing your story is I don't want to do that to my kids. Like, yeah. I don't want to make my kids even as adults have to deal with my junk. Like that is selfish. And what, you know, another person that I interviewed said, like, just suck it up. Like it's one meal, like once a year or twice a year, like put a smiley face like you do at work. And when someone's telling you a story you don't want to hear and just smile and act like an adult. Right. Right. So thank you so much for bringing that up. And one, before I get into your story, one of the things you said about your current marriage um, that needs work because whose doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, and I always want people to know that like, whether you choose to go through the divorce or you choose to stay for whatever your reasons are, both options require work. There's no like, okay, now I'm going to stay. And so we're just going to be fine. Oh, so so for your part. current partner, tell me if you figured out what you needed specifically because you grew up in a divorce. Like, was there something specific or special that you were like, because of this house I grew up in, I need this for my partner? Yes and no. I think um, it, it, it's not, it had somewhat to do with him and somewhat I looked at his, <clears throat> excuse me, his family relationship and their dynamic. I saw him come from a really healthy family dynamic. I saw that his parents, um, with whenever they were struggling or, if, you know, whether it was because of their own marriage or because of whatever their kids were walking through, you know, they, they chose to seek help through, um, whether it was counseling and therapy, support groups, uh, the, the religious affiliation they had through support groups that way. Um, so I kind of looked at that whole dynamic with him and saw what a committed relationship looked like, that that was something he had grown up with. And those were just things we discussed. I think for me, it was just making clear to him here's where my background is. And I know it's really different from yours. Your parents are like, I don't know, like leave it to beaver. Yeah. Um, and um, that's not how I grew up. And so for me, I think entering into marriage, I just took it maybe a, a little more seriously than he did because I've seen what happens on the other side if it doesn't work. You saw the I, end of the movie and you don't want to repeat that movie. Yes. Yes. So, and I don't throw, we call it the D word. I don't throw that around. That yes. That, that that's become sometimes that he'll still throw that out during fights sometimes. And it really, I don't think, and I don't think he ever will. And that's right, right. comprehend how deeply that where that's not a, that's not a word I take lightly at all. I think that's such a great piece of advice for anyone who's in a current marriage that wants to stay in it is um, you, that word is so harmful. And whether we come from a past of divorce or not, like that is a big word. And we do not want to throw that out as anything other than a discussion and an action and a choice based on so much work. Because when we're angry and afraid and we throw that out, all it does is push the other person away. Um, before we get into yours, I, you just brought up something that made me really think about. I just posted like a teeny mini podcast um, that is going to come out right now because 
I was at a funeral this week and then one of my really good friends is going through a really scary time with her son. And I was thinking about how when life happens, um, how you don't need this added junk in between children trying to deal with life happening. And can you just touch a little bit upon what your husband's family went through with his father and how that would look so different if it was your family because they wouldn't be able to support you because of their own junk. Oh my God. I can't even imagine how that would look. Um, so my, my husband's father, let's see, it was around 2012, 2013. He was diagnosed with ALS, um, Lou Gehrig's disease and, um, passed away within, um, two years of that happening to two and a half years. Um, and that is a, it's a wretched, awful disease that takes away all your physical ability, but it keeps your, your mind is still 100% functioning. So you kind of become a prisoner in your own body. Um, and fortunately, so, you know, the dynamic part of the dynamic with my husband's family is that most of them live out of town and we happen to be living back in Cleveland where we're from, uh, during that time. And, so we were able to be there. And so we could, yeah, we could show up whenever we wanted. It was really um, one of those things where his mom, my, my husband's mother, my mother-in-law was the sole caretaker and she had outside help. And they also, of course, reached out to their local chapter of the ALS mm-hmm. Association because they know how to do that. They already had those tools through their church, through other outside support groups, um, through their community. So they knew how to do that and they found the support they needed for them to walk through as a caregiver and as a patient um, to get the support they needed. They had people rally around them. We did um, the, the walk to defeat ALS. We did so many things. And with my parents, if that's what was happening, it would be just two separate things. I'm sure they would ask me right. individually on the phone about how's <laughs> your mother, how's your father. Right. And that would probably be about it. And then they yeah. might go up to the funeral. Maybe. And, and then you'd have to worry at the funeral about, oh my God, if this person sees this person. And yeah. it's like, and the reason why I brought that up is like, we don't even think about it when, when people are going through the divorce, they're not thinking about while well, they're fighting about all the issues that they fight about, like, how are we going to deal with life happening down the road? Cause it's going to happen. And so I just, I remember how well your family, your husband's family did with that and you did with that, with supporting. And it just was another reminder of like how this cannot get in the way. So with that being said, um, I want to start with your story. So how old were you when your parents got divorced? Um, so the, my mother and father got divorced when I was about three. And then um, my mother remarried when I was 12. My dad remarried when I was a little younger, when I was five, and then subsequently got divorced when I was, again, when I was around 12 as well. Okay, so let's go back to three. Okay. So that's super little. Do you remember them being together? Very little. I can, I have just a couple of memories. One of them is of them fighting. Oh, good times. So tell me what you remember from that. <laughs> so that, um, that was kind of an instrumental point being that little, um, I can remember them fighting in our kitchen and I, as a three-year-old, was desperately running around and screaming, trying to get their attention because I didn't like them fighting and they would not stop fighting. They did not acknowledge me. They didn't, it it was as if I didn't even exist in that moment. And I can remember running into my room, running into my closet and having the thought, like that was the first time I had the thought where everything was okay 
before that where something was for the first time ever not okay. Um, right. And how old are you right now? I'm 37. And it's and still. I, I see like, it. I see the focus. tears. I see yeah. it because how old are your kids? They are four and seven. So four, right? Your four-year-old. Could you picture your four-year-old hiding in this closet and feeling those feelings? And I think that's where the tears come from because you know today as a parent, like, how could we do this to our children? And parents, the ones I've worked with, um, you know, when they come in, when they come to work with me and they're stuck in that angry place, they don't see that this is affecting their kids. They think, oh, their kids are young. Now they're on iPads or they're watching a show and they can't feel it but you know differently. Oh my gosh. If there is one thing I have learned with children is they are 100% not listening to me when I'm speaking to them. And they are 100% <laughs> listening when me and my husband are talking to each other and yes. every, every single word that is happening. We need to start using that as a tool against them and be not even, we should just be like talking to each other about the things that we need them to do. Yes. Um, so you don't remember them telling you anything or do you remember them? Like, do you remember no. anyone explaining no. to you? No, I don't even remember if I'm, if they found me or if eventually I just, I just remember the, the memory stops after that. Um, so I don't know if one of them eventually found me or if I just, the fighting stopped. So I eventually came out and the day just, or the evening just moved, moved on. But I, what happened to your life after that? Like, did you guys leave the house? Did you separate? Tell me what about yeah. that. Little so that was a weird, I can, I have some vague memories of that being a really strange transition. So Part of the backstory that I think would be helpful is, so this is, we're like in 1985, 86, when my parents okay. divorced. So this is, um, I think right around the time when it was really becoming a, divorce was becoming a more normalized word, where before that it was much more hush-hush. And that statistic of 50% of marriages ending in divorce was really, that was just starting to come into like a normal frame within the, the world, the United States like that. So I was on the cusp of the beginning of that. Right. Um, so the transition, so my, uh, for the most part, my mom got sole custody of me when there was custody hearings. Uh, so I saw my dad every other weekend and for a while, um, we did you ever find out why he didn't want more or why they didn't, you know, like no. now, it's 50-50 pretty much standard um, because they know that children need to be with both parents. Do you think it's just because in those times moms took the kids? Yes. I think my mom fought for it some. I'm not, but I don't know why. I mean, I know my dad more today and I can see some of why my mom may have fought for that with me. Um, can you come a little closer? We, we're losing you for a second. I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's awesome. The only information that she's relayed to me as far as that goes is that her like her mother and sisters my mom's had said that they can't they couldn't believe that my mom was even letting my dad be part of my life at all which okay um I mean I have a relationship with my dad today so which is huge yeah it, huge. Is, it is uh that's a whole different story. So but tell me when they, when they got the divorce, did you stay in your childhood home or did you move? We moved, but there was some transition there for a little while where I can remember sleeping on some air mattresses, staying at some friends' houses. My dad didn't have a solid place to live until he started dating his second ex-wife. So I don't remember seeing a lot of him until he started dating her. Um, okay. And they moved in together. 
And your mother got remarried when, how old were you? She started, well, she started dating her current husband when I was around five, but they didn't actually get married until I was around 12. So they dated okay. for a, a while. But he was like the, was he, he in your life? My life from when I was very young. Yeah. And did he, is, is, did he have children he brought with him? Yeah. He has a daughter. Um, that's the same age as me, actually. She's about six months younger. Um, so we, we kind of grew up together and eventually after they got married, she eventually moved in with us and we lived the four of us, my mom, stepdad, stepsister, and myself all in our. Wow. So can you tell me what you remember um, were your biggest challenges as a child growing up in a divorced home? Yeah, as, as when I was younger um, and didn't have much, many relationships outside of my family, um, not so big of an issue. Um, I definitely felt more comfortable at my mom's house. I didn't see my dad a lot. He didn't communicate with me ever really um except for when i was at his house a couple times a month he didn't so you guys didn't long. speak like throughout the week no do no. you do you know if you ever asked like your mom like why don't i talk to dad or was that just your normal that was just the normal did you, you miss know? him or do you do you remember missing him no i didn't it, it was, was just like, your normal it was just the normal yeah, yeah. And so, like, dad would come every other weekend to take you and do your, like, dad weekend thing. Yep. Okay. And how was that? Do you remember? When it was just he and I, we, he struggled. I just don't think he knew quite what to do with me <laughs> or what was going on. When his second ex-wife, when they dated and were married, it became much better that we, it was more like a, a family thing and we would go Because she her. helped. She helped, like, facilitate. Yeah. Yeah, we would do things together. We would, yeah, she facilitated a lot of the things to, to make things. And how long were they together? They were together for like seven or eight years, maybe a little did, longer. Did that divorce affect you? That one probably affected me more. Um, being older, more cognizant. I, I mean, I really thought of her as like a, a second mother. And that divorce was also... Like, we will never speak to each other again, kind of a thing. Um, it was a nasty divorce. She and I tried to stay in contact some. My dad basically forbid it. And How um, old were you when that divorce happened? 12. So hormones, all wow. kinds of stuff. Yeah, like, it was, yeah, he just basically forbid us from speaking to each other ever again. And um, that was... So the story of marriage and relationships must have been really skewed for you of, we get together everything's awesome. And then when we're done, it's like your cancer and you're cut out. You're cut out. Yeah. yeah. And that was like somebody kind of cut out a parent to me as far I, as I was. Concerned. That must've been a huge loss. Have you ever tried to reconnect with her? A little, we do, um, like through social media and then yeah. they, they had a child together so I can, you know, I have a, another sister through that marriage with my dad and, um, Wait, but, so when, when she was cut out, were you able to stay connected to that other sister? Yeah. Okay. Yes, she and I have always stayed connected. Mm -hmm. Wow. Do you see all the ripples? It's, yeah. it's pretty yeah. incredible, like, watching you talk about it. So going back to that idea, the challenges for you, so it, it sounds like it was normal that your dad wasn't a consistent part of your life. It got better when his, first, his second wife came in the story. 
then they got divorced and you lost her. What other challenges did you feel, like, did you have challenges as, you know, just a student and a teenager in school, like, or was that just your norm by then? Those pretty normal by then. At that point, by the time he got divorced and whatever happened with that the second time he got divorced, I just really, I never wanted to go there. He didn't live um, close enough to my mother where he, you know, they lived about 45 minutes apart. So there was not a way to really have any social interaction with any of my peers when I would go to his house. So it was just. That's a huge thing I'm reading from um, teenagers that respond to me is that you know, my ex and I live four blocks away on purpose. We, we moved mm -hmm. to a neighborhood where our kids could ride bikes to each other's houses, where every single day when we forget something, which we do every single day, um, plugs, phones, you know, earbuds, everything. Um, we didn't want them to have to feel the physical distance um, of us being physically apart. And I think that's something that parents do not take into consideration. They're just thinking about what's best for them. And they're not thinking about like you as a teenager who wants to leave one house to go to the other house and then not be able to see your friends, mm -hmm. you know, um, once you're, you're in this world of back and forth, very, very rarely back and forth. It sounds like, did your parents ever communicate during this time? Like, were they, how did they communicate about you or was it, do you not even know? Like, did they show up at birthdays together? Oh, never. No, never. There were always separate birthday parties. Um, my mom was much more involved in my life, obviously, since I yeah. was predominantly at her house. Yeah. So she was much more, you know, um, making, giving me the parties that I was asking for or that I wanted, um, you know, to my, to my dad, of course, you know, he didn't know because one, I didn't let him in because right. I was resentful about a lot of things Two, He never expressed an interest. So I would just kind of show up and he'd be like, Hey, we're having your birthday party. <laughs> do you think it was mutual that they both didn't want to work together? Or do you think it was one of them? Both. Absolutely both. Okay. Yeah. That, That's such a shame, right? It's it like, just show up, you know, mm -hmm. um, tell me if you could go back. Cause you're one of the strongest women I know. If you could turn back time to talk to yourself, I don't know what age you think you probably needed to hear it the most. What do you wish you could have sat down and told yourself from like the woman you are today to when you were struggling? Well, that's a thinker. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I got, I think I would have, um, as far as, I mean, in their situation, since they made choices, to not really co right you can't you can't control them so you need to yeah. talk to that little Rachel what do you yeah. think so I think Rachel, I, you I would want to tell that little Rachel to um <laughs> to I guess to you know to focus on the fact that you do have I mean thankfully and I can see today that I have two parents that loved me very much mm -hmm. that each yeah you know they had their own baggage yeah um and did you internalize any of it and make it about you? Like, did you ever think the reason why they didn't want to show up for you at the same time was about you? Or did you always know it was their stuff? I don't think I thought of it in those terms. I don't think I had the yeah. mental, I was too young to think of it that way. But now I think I was just pissed that I. That it was so exhausting. That it was just exhausting. And I couldn't, it was hard to understand why um, I couldn't really talk about it with them. 
if they sent, you know, there were times where they had me check in with a therapist, but usually they would either be in on the sessions or would then get a report back from the therapist. Right. So, so you didn't feel safe. safe. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, for the younger me, I would just say, you know, just like, hang on lady. Um, yeah. your parents love you and stick with, you know, I, I think it would have just, I wish maybe perhaps I would have spoken up more or had somebody who could have helped me find better words to communicate with them about what I needed to talk about with them that I couldn't. What do you think you needed back then from them? I would have, I mean, I would have loved to know, know more about what was going on, like why they got divorced. and what, So you like, wanted to understand it. Yeah. And I think they thought they were probably protecting me. By right. Or it was too there. much information for but you. Was, I would say it wasn't. I think, right. I, you know, kids can feel that. And especially when it plays out that their parents can't even be in the same room. Right. That's not doing anyone any favors to keep right. them in the dark. Which basically goes with how me and you parent today, which is full transparency. I mean, as much as possible. I'm not yeah. transparent, obviously, in my emotions about things that are challenging in my co-parenting relationship um because mm -hmm. i see how that's damaging but what i do i i mean my kids asked a lot when we got divorced why 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 mm -hmm. and my kids were like six through nine yeah. so i told them in the best way I, I said you know we still love each other as um people who love you but as mom and dad we just don't do a great job at being mom being um, husband and wife together, but mm -hmm. you know, we're, you know, we don't, we're just not the right fit. And so as they've gotten older, they can see that like, as they see our individual, but we talk about it and, you know, only one of my children, my youngest, ironically, I thought my youngest would have the easiest time because he was the youngest and wouldn't remember it as much, but that was actually wrong. He's the one who wants more togetherness, more time. And I, I do what I can, but you know, I'm only one human and it's hard. Like I, I think that you're right, asking them to talk to you, like a asking them those hard questions that nobody wants to answer and don't know the right answer. But that's something I want if, you know, if there's any people listening who don't know how to talk to their kids. I think the answer is to start, like just ask them what, what do they want to know, you know, and be prepared for really uncomfortable questions. Mm -hmm. You know, I think what I'm seeing with children is they just want their parents in the same house. They don't even care that they're married or not. Like they don't care about no. the actual romantic aspect of it at this not point. No. They just don't like to leave, you know? And, and so for them, I think that's the hardest part is to explain that. Um, but it's also okay to show them like when you don't get along with someone in this way, it doesn't mean you can't show up and be there together. So like when you were at school events, like graduations or like, choir concerts or plays or anything like that or sporting events were they both there typically yeah for those kind of events where you only get a one shot yeah you can't split there. you can't split a track meet up yes uh never. i'd like you to run the 800 yard dash for me and then i'd like you to do it later for dad yes correct um <laughs> did they I'll sit next her. to each other of course not okay no. so here's the thing so i have a coaching i do a divorce coaching and I tell the people that I work with that besides, I have three things that are deal breakers. One is they're not ever allowed to say anything negative about the other parent in front of their children. I don't care what it is. They can go in a room and eat a pillow if they need to. They can talk to someone else about it, but never in front of the, the child because it's so damaging. Mm -hmm. And then 
the two, it's actually just two, they have to sit next to each other at all events. Yeah. They don't have to share popcorn. They don't have to like snuggle after, but there I've heard from so many kids that the worst thing ever is having to look on one side of the room for one parent on the other side of the room for the other parent when they only get that one second away to smile at somebody and cheese the picture and like get choose. over yourselves, like you just sit near each other. Yeah. You can, you can even use a random stranger just in between you two, just so your kid can look in the same exact direction. And, I, right. and I'm like, if you can't do that, we can't work together because you're so selfish that that discomfort is going to make your children feel so much pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that question was hard for, that was a hard one about what do you need? Um, when I ask those questions of myself, what did I need? It breaks my heart because you see that little Rachel and you're like, oh, she needed a hug. She needed someone to be like, let's talk. Yeah. How yeah. do you think divorce has changed you today? I think it's helped me be more, I think it's more accepting of people with different relationships, be less judgmental of, of people and what they need to walk through. I think it's made me a more open parent. Um, How so? I mean, even just more recently with the things going on with COVID and Black Lives Matter. And those aren't, those are some discussions I've had with not my four-year-old, but my seven-year-old that she wouldn't even realize that people aren't treated equally. Um, that those are things that I'll talk about in front of my husband, that if she has questions, I do my best to answer her honestly in an age appropriate way, that there's not, there's nothing that's off limits that she can't ask me. That is so cool because me and you both walked through um, very similar paths to get to the women we are today. And I don't know if you remember this, but there was a Dr. Royster who was one of my favorite teachers in all of the universe and I cannot connect with him. And so if anyone out there knows how to, I would love that. Um, but he said, I remember it so well. He said, hurt people hurt people mm -hmm. that if we don't fix the pain that we have inside that we will just continue to hurt people uh, you know the next people that we're in front of and because like young Rachel did not get the platform to to ask questions and to hear the truth you let your beautiful daughter hear those questions and ask about truth because you don't want her to sit and wonder and not know and I try to be proactive and bring up these more hot button issues. So if she's hearing things, it's that we've already had a conversation about it. It's not like she's being blindsided. Right. It's taught you to be more open. Yeah. Like um, I'd rather talk about sex and divorce and things with her before some kooky thing. Exactly. is talking to her about what, what that's all about. That's not going to work so well for me. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent with you. Um, do you think there's any areas you struggle with as an adult still that you believe might be tied to growing up in a divorced family? And if so, how do you think that something could have been handled differently so you wouldn't be still struggling with it? I think I can still, like sometimes with arguments with my, so my husband and I are both strong personalities too. So that's part of just who we are as individuals. But right. I know there Same are times me. where... <laughs> I will just back down because that's part of the conditioning of me growing up where I'm, I'm learning how to choose my battles better. And for so me, wait, why do you back down? Cause you don't want to deal with the, the, the fight or the uncomfortable. Um, because I think that there were, there was maybe one or two times where I did kind of push, especially on my dad, who was much more silent than my mom. Yes. And it went 
so horrifically bad um, that I knew that I would just, that was never again. And when I got older, when he did a second, when he had a second divorce, I kind of pushed a little bit and he just, Mm-mm. Will you tell me about how your dad and you ended up not having a relationship for a period of time? Like what happened without going into details, what created that storm where you were like, I, I'm right now I'm safer to be not together. Yeah. Um, it was after the birth of my daughter. She was my first child and things got her just so much more complicated. Um, because with- they didn't want to be in the same space. Part that was part of it. There were other parts just specific to me and my dad's relationship and what made as a new, I mean, as a new parent, I had no idea. I just had no idea what, what I had just gotten myself into. Um, and so there was some different things happening with he and I, but yeah, the, the holidays, the get togethers, it, it just got really complicated. Um, and it just got to a point where, uh, I was, I was tired of feeling resentful at him. I was tired of us hurting each other. I was tired of talking in circles and getting nowhere. Um, Do you think the birth of your child and experiencing what it feels like to be a parent and that love and like, I would do anything for you brought up a lot of like, how could you have done this? Yeah. One of the things um, in my teenage years when my dad, so my dad, I guess he did push a little bit more to see me as a teenager when I was in high school. Like I said, he lived far away from my friends and my life and the things that were important to me. Um, and he just often said, I've told you what I wanted, the ball's in your court. And to tell that to a teenager. Oh, I remember that. That is um, so, that is so helpful, dad. That is so helpful. Um, and it was sort of, so it was sort of the same situation as I got older where it was just like, I don't, I don't need to parent you. The ball's in your court. If you want a relationship, it's on you. Um, and so that was kind of the tone and where things were going. And I could not repeat that again. And so I just said, okay, well, if in one of the last things he said to me before we made a little break um, for the last, for a few years actually was, um, he, he kind of just threw out, if you don't want to be a part of this family, which was not true, then we just, we will not be inviting you to any more family functions. And I thought, okay, I guess. That, <laughs> that must have that must have felt like, like a dagger in my heart. A knife on skin with no anesthesia, no warning, just ouch. Yeah. And and that was it. I um And were you the bridge that built back to him again, or was he? He started the bridge. Um he actually did after um a few years, he had just sent me a card in the mail that was a completely different tone. Um, what do you think changed within him? Cause that's usually not the expectation we have of people who are so stuck in their ways. I have no idea to be yeah. honest. And when he and I met for the first time after he sent me that card and I reached out to him, um, afterward, he just, and I said, you know what, you sent me this card. You said you wanted to get together. You said you'd like to talk. Was there anything specifically you wanted to talk about I kind of left it to him in his court yeah here's your ball <laughs> well yeah I didn't want to put expectations on right. the meeting in general. <laughs> um and one of the things one of the, a very wise woman said to me before I met with him and as we've continued our relationship is she's just said, at this point in your life is there anything your dad can take away from you mm. and there's not that's cool and that's cool is the work I've done my parents and their lives and whatever choices they're making, they just, 
they can't take anything away any longer. It's like they have, I can give them, we have an adult relationship now. That's so Um, empowering. Yes. So, and he said, no, there wasn't anything specific. He was just happy that we could be together, have some Panera together. Yeah. Um, So is he part of your children's lives today? Yeah, he is. Um, But he still won't, they, they still won't be at their birthday parties together? No. And it gets more complicated since we There's don't, so many. we don't live in the same area as them anymore. Right. Um, so it gets a little more complicated with trying to coordinate schedules. And so, you know, I'm working on finding the boundaries with how many, how many, you know, if I say, well, here's when we're having the party and then they're trying to be nice and they'll say, well, I can't come that day. Can I come this day? Right. And so you have to find the I think that you just get to own it since you said you're the one who said, I don't want to carry this on generationally. And you could just have like the same copy and paste message to every single event for those two. And you can just say, I love you both. I hope you guys can put your stuff to the side because my kids want to see their grandparents on the same day at the same time at their same party. And if you can't be there, no problem. We love you. Bye. Like it's just Mm -hmm. not your stuff anymore because you don't have the energy to deal with it. You're done. Mm-hmm. that's freeing um i only have a few more questions you've been so fantastic do you think you've found forgiveness for both of your parents for not showing up and making this about you yes how because there's people that are like how tell me how you did that a lot of work um <laughs> a lot of uh i i did some therapy I, um, I went to, uh, people that are like mentors to me, um, to work through that. I think, you know, like we just talked about, I, I took some time away from one of my parents. Um, and that gave me some perspective. I don't necessarily recommend that. That was like the last, the very, very last plan Z resort. Yeah, But I remember during that period of time, you needed that. You were emotionally fried and you know what you actually did during that time? You finally took care of yourself when nobody else was grown up enough to do it. And you said, I need to take care of Rachel. And even though that was, I'm sure, extremely painful for everyone involved, you needed that. So you, because I think it got you to the place where, no, he couldn't take anything else away from me. And then when he came back to you, you were no longer in that excruciating pain because you owned it. Like you were on your own and you owned it. Yeah. Well, I looked, and I think I looked pretty hard at what my behaviors were that contributed to the sickness in the relationship. It's not a one-way street, right? So whatever I was perpetuating. I'm so glad you said that because we're adults today, right? So no matter how crappy of a job our parents did in their divorce or in their raising of us, their as divorce adults, was 30 years ago. Like, right. I, exactly. Like, as me and you both know, get out of the pool. If you're complaining that it's cold and stinky in there, yeah. you can get out. There's a, a ladder right there, right? So, like, we don't get to use that anymore as our reason for, like, how we can't handle anything, right? So, it's like an acknowledgement of, like, yes, we are damaged from this, but yes, I've taken the steps I need to take so I don't have to be damaged. Correct. Um, a few more questions, and I promise I will let you go. I have two questions left. What gifts have you found from walking through this? Um, I think with my husband, what, what a partner is, what work it takes to be a partner. So that it's like on on both sides that I, I think it gave me some more empathy towards my parents that the work that's involved with marriage that I couldn't comprehend until I was in a marriage. 
and why people need to get divorced. It gave me a new understanding of that. I was never resentful that they got divorced, but I think that helped me understand a little deep, more deeply. Um, and it helped me, the, the commitment to the partnership that I'm in now is really, really strong because I don't, I personally don't want to get a divorce. It would be similar to the plan Z very last resort as I think it is for most people. Nobody gets married thinking, well, we'll see what happens. Um, right. That's terrifying. I hope this, I hope this works out. I don't think that that was ever the intention. Um, and I think as a parent, us doing things, I mean, obviously family time is important, but I think um, fostering those relationships either individually or as a, as a whole family unit um, will be continuing work for me. Um, and the gift of that is, uh, you know, I hope, I hope my kids get to see two parents that love each other a whole lot, that stick by each other. And that doesn't matter if you stay married or divorced. I think that can be the same lesson for anybody. Absolutely. Because here's the deal. The kids just need people to love them and show up for them. What happens in between us, whether we're in the bedroom together and having a great time snuggling and being parents in, in a marriage, or we are living four blocks away and doing it the best we can this way, it's not about what's between me and you. It's about between me and the kid, what the kid needs from us. Mm -hmm. Um, last question, and this is a really important one. What advice do you have for parents who are either about to get a divorce or currently messing up their divorce? What advice do you have for them right now to change that ship around so they don't end up creating that same kind of harm that you were talking about? Be in the same room together. Sit on the bleachers together. Be honest with your kids. Because they're going to know what you're hiding from them anyway. Kids have radar for that, right? Um, so I think that, I think the transparency with your kids, especially, I really, I would have loved, especially as an older kid, as if my parents had come together to me and talked to me about them divorcing. Uh, maybe not when I was three, um, but when I was 12, that would have been, probably pretty helpful to see them at a table together, like adults discussing. Showing up as your parents. Yeah. Instead That's of. That's what's so interesting. They don't ever stop being your parents just because we go through a divorce. And I think that's what people need to hear is your kids need their parents. They, yeah, don't, they don't need all the drama. No, I, I really didn't even care that much that my parents were getting divorced. I mean, obviously I cared but I, but you didn't even know. I could, I could understand even as a child that if that marriage isn't working, why two people wouldn't stay together. I could understand that pretty clearly. Right. Like the more, absolutely, the more important piece is that I needed both my parents to be present for me and to figure out how they can be present together with me um, and put their stuff aside, which I know is no small task. I, I can't imagine that hurdle um, and how hard and difficult that can be. But I have to imagine when it comes to your kids that have, you have to be a united front for them. But it's not even like, so yes, it's a lot of work. It's probably some of the hardest work I've ever done, but so what? Like I, before I started even doing these interviews, I thought that the worst thing that could happen when two people get a divorce and they don't put their kids as a priority is they mess up their kids and it makes them feel stressed and emotionally exhausted and confused and alone and all that stuff. But then I started talking to other people who have been through it and they said, 
No, it's not just the kids. It's then everyone the kid is involved with, the kids' relationships as they grow up, how they interact with other people, how they interact with their future partners, how they parent, how those kids whose parent, so like their grandchildren, like it is, like you said, it's generations. And yeah. it's, it's really not that much to ask to just show up and sit next to each other and be kind and keep your mouth shut. It's like all the stuff we learn in kindergarten. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm just so grateful for your, your experience and your willingness to share it. Um, for anyone who's listening, this is Rachel. She's fantastic. Um, you can email me at inyourcornercoach at Gmail if you have any questions or you want to talk about your story. And I know Rachel for a very long time, and I'm sure if you would love to know how she got her strength through forgiveness, um, that if you emailed me, I would definitely pass it on to her because she's a wisdom beyond her years. And I'm just so grateful for your time and your energy. And I love you. I love you. I think it's so beautiful what you're doing. And I'm so grateful to be a part of it. Um, This is some of the most important stuff. I know. It's just 50% of the marriages. Right. That's all. So just <laughs> have the population. That's just have the population. Generational trickle-down <laughs> effect with their kids and their relationships yes. and every person in their life. So it's, it's pretty important. Yes. I love you so much. Thank you so much.